This is out of bounds. Look who it is. She's back. This is out of bounds. You're home for the weird, wacky, wild in the sports world. John Alba and the returning Mia O'Brien back in the house after a couple weeks away on the road covering media days and visiting ballparks in nice weather. I almost just dropped my phone. What's up, Mia? Oh, hey, listen, it happens to the best of us. Uh, Happy to be back in the saddle, John. It's football season officially. Uh, I literally pushed it to the limit, took a red eye back on Tuesday night, uh, arrived at Jaguars practice about 40 minutes after it had started. So, hey, listen, we're ready to rumble. Now that I've gotten the jet lag past me, I'm very excited to return to know your news and out of bounds with the latest and weirdest and wacky of which there has been a lot of that. That was was a ballsy move on your behalf, trying to... Pull a deadline move there. Well, could I elaborate? So I'm going to elaborate. And this was back in March, which as our listeners and viewers know, um, I did have my tonsils removed. And so that was back in March. And so it was on the sideline for a little bit, but I had to go to the Jag stadium to do a little business. And so went there and with my frog, uh, Kermit the frog voice, I said to PR, Hey, we won this trip through an auction to California. I'm trying to book it. What day will be the first day on the field so I can make sure we fly back in ample time in preparation? And I was told on March 30th, 31st, actually, March 31st, I was told that this past Thursday, the 26th, I believe that was, that that would be the first, 27th, excuse me, that would be the first day of on the field. So that's why I said, eh, take a red eye back, just got to go to work. Power through a three-hour show, go home, nap, be ready for Thursday. And then uh, the last day of the off-season program at the mini camp back in June, I, you know, shot in the dark, said to Doug Peterson, hey, you know, uh, could you, like, give us some dates on the schedule? And he rattled off all the dates, and that included beginning on-the-field workouts Wednesday, 26th. And so I knew what I was up against. Um, but thankfully, I have a great team at 1010XL, so I didn't have to worry too much. They were right. able to hold down the fort. Um, and, yeah, and then by about 4.30, I didn't know what planet I was on. Uh, but I got through the show, got through practice, and so, hey, here we are, ready to rumble. So all that matters, we are here on Out of Bounds. If you'd like to join our conversation, kynchat.com is where you're going to do that. Or if you're watching on YouTube, just leave that super chat there for us, and we will happily read it on air. we got a few of the past couple weeks. I'd love to see some more as you join the conversation here on out of bounds me you've been going a while what are you drinking here on this uh, week? well we're, we're trying to clear out the fridge although we we did go grocery shopping amidst a, a flood in my yard uh, i didn't send you that photo john before our show uh of me having to pull the car all the way up to the front door and kevin had to climb through the trunk to get mm. into our house yeah so that was a lot of fun on friday um but still trying to clear out the brewskis so i've got a nice blue moon blue this moon. is the mango wheat a wheat a mango wheat from when our good friend Andrew Badillo and I were in Tampa for the Luke Combs concert and no one drank any of these. So now I have all of them and I am not complaining. I got the Arizona hard tea. I got to get on that grind. Got to get on this. These are so freaking good. I know you love your Arizona iced tea and your Arnold Palmer and your seven and your Wawa, your Wawa iced tea or a little booze in it. It's a good day at the office. As far as I'm concerned, cheers to your return. And to hopefully better days ahead for New York baseball. Oh, Lord help us. Mm-hmm. I verbally, John, before we go any further, uh, shout out to our boy, my boy, Dave Campo, former head coach of the Cowboys, now works with me at 1010. Massive Yankee fan. 
He was with me in the studio on Friday when it flashed up on the screen. Aaron Judge will return tonight. And I just was like, our Lord and Savior has returned. And he just started laughing. And he goes, he better be. Huh. Well, you know what? We were going to start with the Mets. We may as well start with with the Yankees then in that case. Um, Yeah. It's not what you want. Can't say that anymore. That's a different guy. But the Yankees are in last place while having the second largest payroll in baseball. New York last night struck out 18 times against the Baltimore Orioles. But manager Aaron Boone said he was pleased with their at-bats, aside from the strikeouts, of course. Excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse. They are mounting for the New York Yankees, who find themselves further and further away from a playoff spot. And uh, again, this is just a season removed from the American League Championship Series. Mia, have the Yankees become the Mets? Well, you know, John, they're only three and a half games back in the wild card, and they're having good at-bats, even though Luis Severino throws 18 pitches in the first inning and gives up six runs. And that was the, that was the, I love that from Carl Ravitch, by the way, on the ESPN Sunday Night Baseball broadcast. Sorry, I'm getting fired up about this. That was the silver lining. From him and Eduardo Perez. Well, at least he only threw 18 pitches so he could keep going. They don't have to go to the bullpen. Oh, yeah, because, you know, that would have been even better um, to go to the bullpen. Um, I'm sure that would have really worked out well with the Weisskill and company still making their way back from the DL. And that was the other silver lining was, well, you know, they got this guy coming back and this guy coming back. How can you guarantee those guys are going to be healthy? And, look, I did not expect the Yankees to be sellers at the trade deadline. I am more than okay with them not being sellers. But at the same time, it's going to be a long, hard look in the mirror if they keep this roster as is who and they, they come back from injury and they don't perform. Who are they going to sell? Who would want any of these guys? They stink! I mean, somebody took Aaron Hicks, and now he's they found stink. himself again. The, Yanke- they, the Yankees didn't trade him. They cut him. Oh, they released him, I know. They cut him. So, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to take Aaron Someone Hicks. Someone took him, though. But you didn't have to give up anything for him. So here in the trade deadline, you got to give up assets in order to acquire something. These guys stink. They're bad. It is an organizational mentality of swing as hard as you physically can with two strikes, which doesn't work out. And, you know, the question here was, have the Yankees become the Mets? The Yankees haven't become the Mets. You want to know who the Yankees are? You ready for this? The Angels. No. The Yankees are the Dallas Cowboys. Mm. The Yankees are I like a team. That that will trot out the status quo year after year. There's some good players on there who all ultimately underachieve. One superstar player who's hurt. And they'll get just far enough. Maybe they make the playoffs. Maybe they even win a a series. But they'll get just far enough to say everything's fine. Everything's fine. Oh, our last championship, that came... Almost 15 years ago. Yeah, we're okay with that. But we're fine. We're America's team. We're the Yankees. We're big deals. People want to come to New York, New York. They want to come here and play. That's who the Yankees are. The Yankees are the Dallas freaking Cowboys, and there's nothing I hate more than that. Well, here's the thing, though. The Dallas Cowboys have an owner in Jerry Jones that's super involved. George Steinbrenner was involved. I don't think his kids are. Not nearly enough. 
Maybe I prefer those owners that are super involved and would have no issue. If George Steinbrenner was alive today, John, he would have John. He would not be okay with this. No. He, their heads would be flying. Yes. And that is the difference because Jerry Jones, if not, you know, he, maybe he doesn't choose the right heads to, but he does see through that someone endures the repercussions of an unsuccessful campaign. Like, for example, I mean, Mike McCarthy, like with all due respect, sir, um, the reality is you hired Brian Schottenheimer, which is like the like white flag for I am a lame duck this year and I have to call my own plays and I'm probably getting fired if we're at 500 at the you know midway point of the season. Um, that That's the difference is like, I believe that if he is 500, Jerry will fire him. Aaron Boone is not in danger of being fired. None of those players are in danger of being released. You just said it yourself. And that inherently is the Yankees struck out 18 times yesterday. And Aaron Boone said that he liked their at bats. They struck out 18 times. Not only nine outs weren't strikeouts. They have made journeymen look like Nolan Ryan this year. Aaron Judge returns from injury Friday. You said you got all excited about yeah. it, right? Well, he guess what? He was in the lineup in prime time. I agree. It I was the biggest game sport. of the season. What kind of message are you sending to That's your That's the manager. Team? And that is that he is he does wear the captain. It's the face. manager, it's the GM, it's ownership, the analytic nerds. None of this makes sense. It Let me ask you this, John. Sense. They stink. I, you know, for all the talk, and especially for our Jacksonville listening audience right now, uh, of my um, frenemy friendship uh, with Jaguars general manager Trent Baalke, the reality is, as much as he has survived San Francisco, he has survived Jacksonville. No one has survived like Brian Cashman. And every time this happens, I say, is it now that they finally pull the rug and say it's over? But then they say, well, he's just going to develop and he's going to adapt. And to his credit, he did. He adapted in 2016. He had no issue with releasing Alex Rodriguez. He had no issue with bringing up a young Gary Sanchez and a young Aaron Judge and taking their lumps because they knew that in 2017 they would have a shot and they eventually did at the AFC, at the AFC, at the AL Championship Series. I think they overachieved in 2017. I agree because they were playing loose because the reality was they were a bunch of young kids and that hadn't happened in New York since arguably 1996. That... Brian Cashman was willing to say, you know what? I got to make a change. He has refused to make a change, and now they are enduring the consequences. <laughs> Anthony Rizzo struck out five times yesterday, and in the post game, he said, well, the beauty of this game is you come out here tomorrow and try again. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong, but also, like, again, three and a half games back of the wild card, yeah. John, because that's that's what the that's bar the is. Problem. That's the that's problem. That's the bar. Though. The bar is the wild card. But that's George Steinbrenner is rolling in his grave, roll, rolling over in his grave right now. But that's, that that's what they're striving for. The problem is that they're close. Because they're three and a half they, games back. If they miss the playoffs, at least it forces you to look in the mirror and say, do we need to change? And I'll tell you what, I'm not even sure that will work because I, I feel pretty confident that if they're going to run it playoffs, back, we're going to say Aaron Judge was hurt. We're going to say they were hurt. They were hurt. It's just, we, we it's were fine. encouraged. I'm going to run it back. It's going to be fine. We were that's literally what's going to happen. I'm when pulling they, up right now. I'm pulling when, up spot track right when now. When Aaron Boone said a couple of years ago that the rest of the league has caught up to the Yankees, caught up to a team that hasn't won a World Series since 2009 or been to a World Series since 2009. Oh, my goodness. Brutal, brutal, brutal.
So let me go through with this with you. I'm pulling up the um, the cap numbers for the Yankees. Um, they will have next year the only player in the top one, two, three, four, five, six, seven players on their payroll. The only player who is not under contract next year is Luis Severino. Other than that, Aaron Judge, Garrett Cole, Giancarlo Stanton, Carlos Rondon, Anthony Rizzo. And then if we go back a little bit, we go down a little bit further, DJ LeMayhew, Josh Donaldson, all on the payroll. Josh Donaldson's the perfect ex- – no, Donaldson's going to be out. Donaldson's out. Um, but that's a perfect example of when where Donaldson was clearly washed and he was brought back. And they said, you're crazy to think that Josh Donaldson won't bounce back this year. But you know what, Mia? Truth be told, the Yankees may not even be the worst team in New York because what's going on across the, the yard over there? Well, I mean, as of this writing, like, this guy's still here. I, I'm not in here, but he, he's up by you. He's still in New York. Uh, that's Justin Verlander, uh, the 41, 42-year-old wonder, former Houston Astro World Series champion, Detroit Tiger, uh, Cy Young Award winner. Uh, now he plays for a team that went all in, John. They threw all this money at the wall, and none of it stuck. The Mets are selling. Max Scherzer is gone. David Robertson, one of my all-time favorite Yankees, is gone. This is all just months after they absorbed, wait for it, a near $354 million payroll. Is this the biggest fail in baseball history? And then I'll bring you to sports history. I'll tell you what. I I think it's got to be up there, Mia. I really do. I think that this is as much of a swing and a miss as you're going to see. And I think what hurts the most for Mets fans is that they're not used to that. They're not used to going all in. They're not used to having the resources. Now, the beauty of it for them is that because of Papa Cohen and his pocketbooks, they can absorb these losses and try to bounce back. They, the Mets do not have to do a complete rebuild. But this offseason, they do need to restructure. And I have a feeling you'll see them restructure. I think, I think Buck will be out. I think that you'll see. Which, real quick interjection, do you think Buck old school mentality does that have anything to do with this, or it's just a, um, a little bit, a event? little bit? But I think because we saw that with Tony Larusa when he went to yeah, Chicago, because that different. is set, that very is different. set very different, different situations, but that yeah. set that franchise back decades. Yeah, they're different. I don't, I don't think that's necessarily apples to apples, but I think that they just might need a new voice there. You combine that with the fact that. There have been underachievements across the board on that team. And yeah, this is a massive, massive disappointment. You can't say anything else, Mia. They're the number one payroll by almost $100 million. By $75 million plus, they're the number one payroll in baseball. They're breaking records. Steve Cohen's taking a huge hit to the luxury tax. So yes, Mets fans, it can get lower than where it's been for you in the past. And I'm so sorry. I am. Because I, I want to see too. the Mets do really well. But I'm pulling up. Hold on. Let me pull up for you. So let's pull up the 2023 Mets baseball reference. Shout out to Immaculate Grid. Shout out to John Alba for putting me on it because oh, let me yeah. tell you, daily routine. Um, now I want to pull up the 2015 Mets. We, who, of course, John, where, what happened to the 2015 Mets? They made the World Series. Thank you. Okay. Let's pull them up. Uh, roster me. Here we go. This was the ro- this is the roster of the 2023 Mets again. Max Scherzer obviously has been dealt, but let me rattle off some of the names on this roster for you: Jose Quintana, Justin Verlander, Carlos Carrasco. Obviously, we know about David Robertson, Pete Alonso, home run derby champ, Tommy Pham, Jeff McNeil, Francisco Lindor, Brandon Nimmo, homegrown talent, 
Starling Marte, my boy Tim LaCastro. Shout out Ithaca. These were names outside of Tim LaCastro. Edwin Diaz. High-profile guys. Well, Diaz Let's go to that 20- before the season even started. What's that? Diaz got hurt before the season even Correct, started. Correct, which is true. Um, here's the 2015 team. Let me actually go to stats because I want to rattle off the, the big names, who their leaders. I want, I want to just air this comment. The Mets have turned into the Knicks. It's funny you say yes, that. Yes, Magic. I thought the Yankees have turned into the Knicks. That was like the first thing that came, but I, I, I felt the Cowboys comparison was a little more apropos, but continue. No, it's true. No, it's perfect, though. Honestly, it is. Um, on that team, here's their, here's their lineup. Are you ready? This is the team that went to the World Series, John. At catcher, Kevin Plowecki. At first, Lucas Duda. Mm-hmm. My boy, Jacksonville's own Daniel Murphy at second. Wilmer Flores, the shortstop. Eric Campbell. Michael Kadire. Juan Lagares, Curtis Granderson. Certainly they had Matt Harvey. They had Jacob deGrom. They had the ghost of Bartolo Colon. They had a half-used Noah Syndergaard. Oh, and Stephen Matz, I guess. So they had a great rotation. But outside of those ro- those names in the rotation, those guys I listed in the starting lineup, none of them are Francisco Lindor with his massive no, contract. I mean, Daniel Murphy was one of the best hitters in the league that year, but yeah. Correct. But yeah. it wasn't like he had the massive payday that Lindor no. got. No. He did not have a massive payday like an Aaron Judge or a John Carlos Stan. He never hit for the power that they did. Curtis Granderson was a cast-off from the, their crosstown rivals. And so my point is, and, and we see this across sports, maybe spending all that money, if you couldn't actually have a cohesive team, was for naught. Yeah. And running around with an, uh, with a, an owner who, God love him, he loves Twitter and he loves tweeting. X. And X, 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 sorry. And I don't, yeah, whatever it's, I don't know what it's called anymore. Actually, we, uh, sidebar, uh, we were, part of why I was like rushing to get here was we uh, are redesigning our live stream template. And I said to my social director, I'm like, do I put the Twitter logo or do I put the X? And she goes, we're keeping the bird. And I said, good. Um, the point is, Stephen Cohen loves social media, loves parading around. Look at us spending all this money to build a champion. And I'm going to tie that to our next topic, John Alba. Nathaniel Hackett's Denver Broncos. Here we go. Let's talk about this. Russell Wilson paraded around, and here we are. Last week, the Broncos head coach Sean Payne called former head coach and current Jets offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett's coaching job with Denver one of the worst in the history of the NFL. Well, now, new Jets quarterback Aaron Rodgers didn't take too kindly to that. First off, note that all three of these names are in different spots, which I think is really funny. He said, quote, It made me feel bad that someone who has accomplished a lot in the league is that insecure that they have to take another man down to set themselves up for some easy fall if it doesn't go well for that team this year, Rogers said. I think it was way out of line, inappropriate, and I think he needs to keep my coach's name out of his mouth, end quote. How should we handle this beef, Mia O'Brien? We thinking uh, fight pit, cage match, what are are we doing here? I just Who would you take? Who would you take? Who who is each team going to send into the cage? Because... I think Sean Payton, considering he used the words, sometimes I forget that my Fox hat isn't on, um, as in Fox Sports hat. 
not Fox like the animal. And he wore for like two minutes, by the way. And never gave takes quite like this. <laughs> um, so my thing is, is would he even have the, the balls, pun intended, to be the one to go into the cage or would he send Russ out there or is he protecting Russ? Um, I think Aaron Rodgers would truly take a bullet for Nathaniel Hackett, which uh, not to that bring back. That week Owens, that's my quarterback, didn't that? Truly, truly, um, which is weird because, uh, again, no Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, nicest guy. He is a camp counselor in every sense of the word. Listeners, viewers out there, I want you to go Google Nathaniel Hackett mic'd up with Jacksonville. This guy is a camp ca- Nicest guy. But he's out here. You're right. Let's go, boys. Here we go. Oh, oh, look at that bird. Oh, hey, hey, did you see this fun fact I found on my Snapple bottle yesterday? Yes, that is Nathaniel Hackett. And so for Aaron Rodgers, who, you know, his family don't even love him, like, he needs Nathaniel Hackett. And evidently, a lot of quarterbacks. Uh, Blake Bortles has also spoken highly of that relationship he creates by being a camp counselor. I mean, everyone needs one of those. Um, I prided myself on my relationship with my campers when I was a camp counselor. So, like, I get it. Um, but the reality is, is you don't want him to be running the whole camp. He's just running the one unit. I mean- and so, listen – were Sean Payton's comments justified? Certainly. The numbers would show. Everyone who watched the Monday Night Football opener it last year. brutal. It was one of the worst coaching jobs. I don't – like. I no, don't and there's no disputing that he was correct in his take, yeah, Jared I, mean, I don't think it's a controversial take. But he's breaking the fraternal laws of the brotherhood of coaching. You don't, you don't just start taking shots out of left field, like – I mean, and that's where people but, believe. I mean, this you can is say it that Payton. left field. You can say it's out left field, Mia. But like, he's the head coach. He's going to face questions from the media week in and week out. And the reality is, all the questions that come before a season has even been played is what happened last year. So if he has to sit there and say, "Well, last year it was bad here. We had a bad coaching job." That's calling a spade a spade, as far as I'm concerned. And it's calling a spade a spade. But here's the difference, John. And I apologize for the analogy. The reality is, is that Doug Peterson arrived in Jacksonville and he did not trash Urban Meyer, who you, independent of my affiliation with the franchise, you cannot deny the coaching job or lack thereof of Urban Meyer here in Jacksonville. And Doug Peterson took the moral high road. And every time he was asked about it, he just said, yeah, you know, like things happen, but we're moving on and we're, we've healed and we've worked together to come okay, up but with- when has Sean Payne been known for taking the moral high ground? This is the head coach of a team that was involved in a bounty scandal. Yeah. Thank you. That's my point. <laughs> I mean, like, That's whatever. My like, point. Measure That's my your- point. But he was involved in the bounty scandal. So would he actually be the one to go in the cage match or would he trot Russ out there? He had a movie made about him where he came out looking like a good guy for helping a high school team. There's win a, a statue of Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. But my point is like, the movie neglects to fully acknowledge the reason he was suspended was because there were bounties put on players' heads during the season. Uh, look, throw these two, just one team versus another. Are the Jets playing the Broncos this year? Yes, week five. Week five. So Get your let, popcorn. Let it sell there. Look, if Nathaniel Hackett is so freaking offended and Aaron Rodgers is so freaking offended, go out there and throw for 360 yards against the Broncos. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the answer. But, but, but now we need the answer to who would be representing each team in the cage match. I mean, I, guess I think Robert Sala should go for the Jets. I think he could throw a punch. I don't think just Aaron Rodgers would throw a punch. Rogers She's a pacifist. Just throw Rodgers and Payne in there. See what happens. No, I think Rodgers is a pacifist. He would or, chicken out. Or is Rodgers I think Sean Payne would chicken out, and I think that's the whole point. And that's is what people Rogers, Is Rodgers immunized from stepping into a cage? 
Well done. Uh, no, I think that's part of the underlying issue, though, is was Sean Payton, yes, to tell the tale of the 2023 team, you need to tell the tale of the 2022 team. I get that. Um, but is part of this to say, like, look how awful it was. And so if there are shortcomings, well, look what I took over. Excuses, Marie Payton. I don't know. I don't get too bent out of shape about this. Honestly, like it's the NFL. There's going to be trash talk. And guess what? It makes for great storylines. The content and is amazing. We kind of like seeing fights. Like how we saw another fight or two yeah. go down in Kansas City, Mia. Oh, God. Um, so did you, you, you saw the video, right? Yeah. And, and like, I mean, so Travis Kelsey, for those of you who missed this on Saturday, um, catches a touchdown at, uh, at Chiefs training camp in St. Joe, Missouri, which if you've, if you've ever been, uh, there is nothing. It's in the middle of nowhere of Missouri. Catches a touchdown, gets touched, because obviously at this point in time, they're not in pads, by backup linebacker Jack Cochran, Mount Vernon, Iowa's own, Tristan Wirfs' childhood best friend. Are you just going for the freaking bingo? Known him since he was 15. Huh? Are you just going for the bingo card today? Yeah, I am. I didn't mean to, but here we are. Um, So he throws a punch at Jack Cochran in Saturday's practice. Um, A day earlier, he had gotten into a shooing, or shoving, excuse me, match with backup corner DiCaprio Boodle. Are we going to doubt the Chiefs, John, or is Travis Kelsey just letting out some you know, of Haven't you heard the everyone... frustration, pent-up frustration, because Taylor Swift would not say hi to him. Everyone doubts the Chiefs. Haven't you heard the narrative? Remember last year when they all told us that everyone doubted Kansas City from the start? No one thought that they could win a Super Bowl, despite the fact that I'd say probably if you lined up 10 NFL fans before last season and asked, Who's going to win the Super Bowl? I'd say probably four or five of them probably thought Kansas City would win the Super Bowl. I I, I hate that. And I like Kansas City a lot. I, I think Patrick Mahomes is just amazing. I really and I think do. Travis Kelsey's amazing. I think Travis Kelsey's amazing. The notion that, oh, it, everyone was against us. Everyone was down us. I'm like, man, look, if you got to go to bed every night telling yourself something just to get you waking up the next day and competing, fine. Go ahead and do that. But that's just not reality. It's just not reality. And this... I expect this will be glossed over. I don't think it's a big deal. But, yes, let's talk about the other thing that happened. Maybe Travis Kelsey was feeling a little pent-up anger because Travis Kelsey mentioned to his brother Jason on their podcast that he had attempted to give Taylor Swift his number at a T-Swift concert. He figured he didn't um, get to take the official pictures with her, by the way. Only Mahomes He did, did. not get a chance to take pictures Which, with her. He, sidebar, um, having – uh, well, actually, no, never mind. Continue. He figured, he figured, I'm a big star. I'm going to be able to drop my number to T Swift. She's single now, by the way. And he was denied. going to call you. He was denied the opportunity to do so. Sad. He's now, single, too. He did not clarify which number, if it was number 87 or if it was those digits. Because it, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but is it not customary to create friendship bracelets at Taylor mm-hmm. Swift concerts. Yes, it is. So it's very possible he had a friendship bracelet, which he he said he had a bracelet that he wanted to give her with his number on it. Now, was it number 87 or was it his phone number, Mia? Oh, it definitely was 87. I feel like Travis Kelsey is that guy that talks such a big game. Yeah, you don't think he he's all he's all he's all bark, no bite. Really? Um, you don't think he was trying to slide into her? DM? No, he was, but therefore he like built it up as oh here's my number and it said 87 
Because that would get her attention, and maybe she'd DM him on Instagram. That's what kids she's, do. I don't know. She's checking those Insta DMs. This is your one shot. Well, so wait. So I, I will move. take you. I will take those of you who are not Swifties behind the scenes a little bit. This is a woman who has had many of her um, potential relationships, uh, intimate relationships, be discovered on email. Uh, she actually wrote a song. Uh, Enchanted was about. I believe it's the drummer from not Panic at the Disco. I forget what song, but either way, a, a band's drummer that they met through friends. Like they kind of like introduced, like they met each other briefly and then they communicated via email until they like arranged a meeting. And granted this was in 2011, 2012 iPhones existed then, but they communicated via email. So she's a little antiquated. She likes to play hard to get. She probably would appreciate the uh, mastermind of Travis Kelsey to if he like made up this whole like, hey, here's my number, and it was eighty seven. She could get a hold of Travis Kelsey if she wanted to. Okay. Take Plus, the word. kids are all Instagram DMing. I have grown NFL players, John, who when I say you want to give me your agent's number so we can coordinate something, or what do you want to you want to give me your number? What do you want to do? And they say, uh, just DM me on Instagram. It's happened multiple times in the last four months, and that that's the world we live in. So maybe T Swift does that. Okay. So are you Let's dad, stay you in the NFL and go to my favorite uh, topic of the weekend. All right. Let's get Yay! to it here. Jonathan Taylor. He's looking to continue his football career somewhere else. Taylor requested a trade from the Indianapolis Colts after asking for a new contract to begin training camp. He's not getting it. And on Sunday, the Colts were reportedly considering placing him on the non-football injury list because he allegedly suffered an injury to his back while working out on his own in Arizona while he's still rehabbing from ankle surgery but here's the thing mia taylor took to social media and denied that he hurt his back at all said i'm good so is this just another jim ursay concoction to try to manipulate something in their favor or might indianapolis have a legitimate gripe here sorry there goes the blue moon um first and foremost i uh, uh, this is Jonathan Taylor trying to stay, take a stand for running backs, which we have discussed on this program, the nature of that position. Thanks to Kyle Shanahan and company and what they've been able to do in the modern era, because this is a quarterback league. It is not a running back league, contrary to what Tom Coughlin believed in drafting Leonard Fournette fourth overall. The reality is it's a passing league and running backs are a dime a dozen. And while I commend these NFL running backs – that want to essentially unionize within the union to ensure they get a payday. The reality is, is that unless you are a freakazoid like Derrick Henry, who can absorb thousands upon thousands of hits and still get back up, they will run you until there is no tread on your tires or your tires quite simply fall off and then go find another running back. It's just the nature of the position. It is awful. I disagree with it. That's Jonathan Taylor's gripe. Jim Irsay... Because he can't just come out and say that. Instead, has to coach on to the to the complete opposite morbid end of the spectrum. Uh, you saw his quote in which he said, if I was to die tonight and Jonathan Taylor was to be released from the NFL, the Shield wouldn't care. The league would go on. So who cares? He's just a pawn in the machine. Talk about dehumanizing players, huh? What's that? They talk about dehumanizing your players. So, so uh, that's the that's the crux of this issue. For those of you who may have missed it, my favorite part 
and I said this on there at 1010XL Day too, my favorite part of this whole bit was the Colts, John, had a, a night practice on Saturday. And I, I was watching NFL training camp before I headed out to a, a party. And uh, and I saw, you know, they were showing, oh, look, Jim Irsay's RV is here. And then as I'm walking out the door, I see um, one of the talented beat writers for the Colts tweet out, oh, yeah, it, you know, Irsay's here. He's in his RV, and only one person has gone in since he parked it here, and that was Jonathan Taylor. And all the Colts fans – are on the internet on X and they're, and they're tweeting because I think we still tweet. Um, they're still tweeting about, oh yeah, like this is where they're going to hash it out. They're going to make s'mores and sing kumbaya and everything's going to be great. And then about an hour later, Ian Rapport reports that Jonathan Taylor has asked for a trade. Tremendous content as always by Jim Irsay. He Listen, there's anybody who's going to give me the content I need on a rainy day. It's Jimbo. So also, yeah, Fisher. I mean, this this is an Ursay concoction as far as I see it. And I, I we talked about it last week, Pat Pitts and I, I, I do feel bad for the running backs. I think that there needs to be a stronger push amongst the union to ensure that positionally running backs are guaranteed more money out of the gates early in their career. I think that's something the union really should bond together about and push for. Because the reality is, once they surpass five, six years in the league, that's it. They're done. They're not useful anymore. It's it's over. Um, you know, Taylor has proven he is still a valuable commodity, but he is coming off an ankle injury. And any running back that's coming off an ankle injury, there's going to be natural questions about that. But it just does showcase the instability of Indianapolis, which there is plenty of, as we're well aware, over the course of the past few years. And yeah, Jim Irsay is a self-fulfilling prophecy, I feel like, even if he is the one who got the ball rolling to get Dan Snyder out of there. At which I also appreciated that content, too. Him and Jerry Jones up there. Today's going to be a great day! It's like draft day. Um, but no, so that's where, you know, what do you think the upshot of this is, John? I mean, I appreciate the back injury always being the de facto when there's a disagreement between a team and a player, uh, between Jalen Ramsey to Shaq Griffin, it's always the it's always the back. Um, that's the go-to if if you want to avoid. And there was another. His name was Andrew Luck, by the way. Oh, also him. Um, when you want to when you want to avoid the uncomfortable conversation, it's a back injury. Um, and I think I think Jonathan Taylor outed that it is not in fact his back. Um, so, yeah, what do we think? What's next? Do we think he I'm gets just, paid? Do we think he I'm gets traded? Curious. I'm curious if that was not if. I'm curious who that was planted by, specifically who planted that story. I'm very interested to see because whether it's true and someone from his camp planted it accidentally or was trying to seed information, or if it's from the Ursay party, the Ursay camp, and they were trying to seed that information down in the public, I, I think that's really, really interesting. Where do I see it going? I don't see him getting paid. So you think he's going to have to play this year? I think he'll possibly sit out. Mm. We really haven't had a player sit out since Le'Veon. I think he'll sit out a degree of time. And I mean, does that hurt someone of his status? Maybe. I mean, he's not as old as Le'Veon Bell was when he sat out. But still, it's... If that's, if that's one way to make a statement. Yeah. Especially if the Colts are allegedly in this rebuild stage where they feel like they're not that far off from contending because now they've got Anthony Richardson and they feel like they can 
go out there and actually light up the scoreboard a little bit? Yes, we will find out here, Mia, but someone else is lighting up all the headlines in the NBA. Yeah, Jalen Brown, who would have thunk uh, the richest man in basketball? If I had told you, John, who is the highest paid player in the NBA, I'm not sure you would have said this man. But he was indeed secured a five-year, 303.7 max million dollar extension with the Celtics last week. Uh, Does he make it through the full contract, though, for the sports greatest soap opera reveals another time? I mean, the NBA truly is sports greatest soap opera, so you, you do never know where things may head. I've always been a big Jalen Brown fan. He's young, still entered the league very young. I think he's extremely talented with a very high ceiling. I know he said he was going to use a lot of this contract uh, to create this foundation that he's calling Black Wall Street and invest in underserved African-American communities, which I think is great. And I know that the Celtics said that was a big reason why they felt comfortable making him the foundation of this team. Going to be interesting with Jason Tatum and how he starts to feel about that. And that's where I think the friction might start to show up just a little bit. You know, this is a team now that's got Kristaps Porzingis and see what kind of commitment comes out of that. Does he make it through this cycle? I don't know. All it's going to take, Mia, and we know because we've seen this, all it's going to take is for the Celtics to not win the championship, max out, and then all of a sudden he's got two years left on his deal and he's like, I want out. I would love to see how many players have been given the max and actually made it to the made it the duration of their contract in the Not last five years. Not a lot. Because it's and I understand some of them, some of them it's by release. Some of them it's by trade. Some of it's by renegotiating and forcing their way out. But I, I can't, you know, I mean, even the LeBron Jameses of the world, the Kevin Durant's of the world, they ultimately have now opted to do one and two year deals. And that's my point, too. This is almost foreign right now where we've seen it become so popular among NBA superstars that they're going for the short two, three year deal worth a lot of money in order to go all in and keep their options fresh. I mean, keep in mind, by the time this deal's over, I'm pretty sure Jalen Brown won't even be 30 yet, which tells you quite a bit. I'll, I'll confirm that real quick here. Uh he okay so he'll be 30 sorry he'll be 31 so when this deal is done but still i mean that's you're still in your prime there as a basketball player i think it is just a situation where we see it time and time again in the league now where a team reaches their pinnacle really quickly and then the interest drops off the pieces start to fall apart and i worry for the celtics that something like that could happen that's why there's never been more emphasis than there is right now for them to go out and win a championship I, I just don't see it happening just because I think that Jalen Brown, I mean, we were talking about it on this program during the NBA finals. This is a guy who would go from averaging, you know, he would go from scoring, excuse me, 20 plus in one night to nine turnovers and one bucket the next. And if that sort of play maybe continues, this pushes him, maybe this pushes him to be step. No, up. now he's going to rest on his laurels, dude. This um, is what happens. That was in a contract year. What's going to happen now? I don't know. I don't know. I I think in a city like Boston, I don't think you can afford to do that. Yeah, but he also has always been the number two to Jason Tatum. Like, that's the bigger thing. Like, as much as he may be getting more money just because of inflation and the cost of doing business, like, Tatum's still their number one option. 
Jalen Brown is not the star of the Celtics. When you think Boston Celtics, he is the second name that you say. No one can deny that. Anyone in the comments, which please do leave a super chat. We appreciate you guys on YouTube, but leave a super chat. Um, the reality is, is when you think of the Boston Celtics and their current form, who do you think of? You think no, of Jason Tatum. I know. I, I don't disagree, but I, I listen, I think the pairing of Tatum and Brown and, and Porzingis is a promising one. I really do. And they have depth as well. You know, trading some of their stronger defensive assets in the Porzingis trade, I, I think, was a little questionable. But they are well-rounded as a team. They're well-coached, too. And I feel like, even even though they got a little out-coached uh, in the uh, playoffs towards Just the end there. But it's I all right. They, I listen, overcame, if only to tie the series up, they overcame a 3-0 deficit. Just to tie it. But, you know, it still counts. It was impressive. I thought it was going to be a sweep. I said on this program, I thought they were dead. I thought Joe was going to get fired. All right, so how many years How many years does he last there on this contract? Three. And I think it then just becomes either dead weight because he doesn't, you know, this is his ceiling right now. Um, or he does, you know, seize the moment and then is looking for more money. I'll say four. I'll say four. Let's hit our last topic before the beast of the week. One I know you can spend a lot of time talking about, the U.S. Yes. Women's National Team. Finds itself in a very peculiar spot here, an unfamiliar territory, if you will. Facing elimination in the World Cup. If the Americans lose against Portugal Tuesday, that could be it. The U.S. currently sits just one point ahead in the group standings. How important is this game in that context for the state of the sport here in the United States, Mia? Because this is one of the most hyped teams to come out of any American sport consistently year after year. If they come out there and lay an egg, uh, that's going to be a, a pretty big deal, in my opinion. So a couple things to this, John. Um, let's begin with the fact that U.S. soccer in 2019, when they won the World Women's World Cup, um, that was supposed to be the year that that was the referendum. Has the rest of the world caught up with the United States? And the resounding answer was no. Um, coupled with the player movement for equal pay, uh, that group of strong women, there was no question that they were planting their flag. They were going nowhere. The United States was still the king in women's in women's soccer. That's that's just the, the queens, excuse me. That's just the reality of it. You can go back, though, to 2007. That was the last time that they kind of fell flat on their face. Even 2003 to an extent, but they still had the Mia Hamm crew. That was just kind of lightning in a bottle um, for some of the other nations that were able to oust the United States in the semifinals, and they did not make the final. Um, that one was kind of a weird, you know, a weird situation. 2004, the next year in the Olympics, Mia Hamm, Judy Foudy, uh, Joy Fawcett, and the rest of the crew, Christine Lilly, Brandi Chastain, they all retire. They go out on top, gold medal uh, winners in the Athens Olympics. And then the United States, States face this awkward, okay, like, who's our star now? Who do we turn to? What, what does our team look like? And they did fall flat on their face, and they did not make the championship round. They fell in, the I believe, the quarterfinals in the 2007 World Cup. They responded by winning gold in 2008. They lost in the championship game in 2011, but at that point you started seeing signs of, okay, Megan Rapinoe, Abby Wambach, like those, that's the future. Carly Lloyd, that's the future. Um, they they lose a fluky game to Japan who had just had that awful, I believe it was a hurricane or a tsunami. So, you know, it was weird. They win the gold the next year. Everything's fine. Um, I say all that to kind of catch you all caught up on uh, on the history of the women of the women's soccer team to say that, they have faced this juncture before, 
If they were to not make it out of the group stage, though, that would be the first time in history. That would be, even if you are a casual soccer fan, you've heard Taylor Twelman of ESPN say that, what are we doing when the men's team didn't make the World Cup? That would be the situation with the women. A lot of the blame would go to Vlatko Andonovsky, the head coach, because he made the decision in the pivotal, what would prove to be pivotal game against the Netherlands, uh, to not employ a 4-4-2, in which you would have two center midfielders, which, quite frankly, uh, when this team runs a 4-3-3, it's as if they forget there's a whole other side of the field. Uh, they get sucked into one side, and Lindsey Horan's the only one distributing the ball, and she's also trying to score. Um, and it all goes to crap real quick. So you need to have Rose Lavelle on the field, whether she's healthy or not. They clearly saw that because she's inserted in the second half, and suddenly they look like a completely different team. So I expect him uh, today, tomorrow, because I know it's going to be 3 a.m. on the Eastern time, to go with that 4-4-2. And, I, I mean, I don't know a ton about Portugal. Um, but, yeah, John, if they were to get upset, it would be – well, and I think it would be it, it would be catastrophic, but I don't think it's going to affect how many young girls play soccer in the well, United I don't, States. I don't think that, like that either. I don't think but that it's, either. it's catastrophic because people look at the 2019 World Cup. I mean, they've made multiple documentaries about that team. Even if you, and part of it too was that the World Cup went on in June, July which, of course, is the dead period for the National Football League. And so people were so locked in because they needed sports outside of baseball. The NBA Finals had wrapped up. The Stanley Cup had wrapped up. It was perfect timing in Paris. And thousands of Americans flew over to Europe. It's a little bit more difficult this go-around because it is in Australia and New Zealand, and so the game times are a little bit more difficult, i.e. 3 a.m. Eastern tomorrow. And so that that's where I don't think it would be ca- catastrophic that, oh, my God, little girls aren't going to play soccer anymore. But – it would take away from another golden opportunity to get the word out there about, in my opinion, one of the best female uh, sports programs of the last 35 years. It's more, it's more about the notion that it would be an incredibly unceremonious end for some of the biggest names that America has ever produced in soccer. Forget men or women. Let's bring it full circle. Sorry, interject, but bring it full circle. Like if the Yankees have to look in the mirror, that's what it will be. Yeah, they already know. They already know. Rapino's done after this World that's Cup. That's what I'm saying. You know, what an unceremonious end it would be for Rapino. Alex Morgan's Alex 34 Morgan. years old. And Alex Morgan, it would be it for her. Like, you, you can't bring her back after that. And I mean, they I brought Rapino back, so. There's, there's a difference there. There's a difference. And if you ever covered the NWSL, you know there's a difference in how Alex Morgan is viewed. Versus Megan Rapino. Um, I think that that alone should be the motivation for this team. Is this how we want to send out these legends of the game? Think about how many young girls that people like Rapino have inspired to play. And is that how you want to fall? Is that how you want to be remembered? And you can make an argument they won't be remembered for that. But people do always remember how you finish. Mm-hmm. Did you go out on top? And I, I mean, look think... at top. What do you... I'll say this since I see some commenters on YouTube aren't happy with the soccer to- soccer topic. Let me phrase it this way: Tom Brady. What I mean, he's the goat. But what do we remember about his final go round? Wasn't great. That's, Wasn't that's, great. That's what it would be. Wasn't great. All right, Mia, let's get to it. Beast of the week time. What was the most beastly thing you saw in the sports world this week? Oh, it has to be sports. 
Okay, just throw it out to me. I mean, I could describe a couple sports ones too. Um, but no, I was going to uh, say the lovely Florida storms um, because my backyard and front yard took on a foot and a half of water. Um, so I guess I could say a uh, shout out to the new Miller Electric Center um, here in Jacksonville because that also took on a foot of water and you would never know it. And so I appreciate those sports stadiums here in Florida that are able to overcome. Also, I wanted to give a shout out to Lindsey Horan. So let's do that one. Um, back to the women's soccer. Sorry. Sorry, men. Um, so Lindsey Horan, did you watch the game at all, John? Yeah. The Netherlands game? Mm-hmm. So for those of you who didn't, um, so she gets, uh, her knee gets twisted by one of the Dutch players who, lo and behold, they actually play on the same club team, Lyon, in France. And these two have been going back and forth, back and forth. But legit, like, it looks like Lindsay Horan was dead. And she's probably the best player on the United States team at this current juncture. Um, and so she looks like she's dead. She gets up. She walks it off somehow. And literally, Allie Wagner, the color commentator, said, well, one way that she could really, you know, stick it to them and say, yeah, I'm okay, is if she scored on this corner here. Boom, like clockwork. Um, header flaunting it in front of the Netherlands bench. Loved it. Loved every minute of it. Um, and if only our, your girl, Alex Morgan had been, just, you know, a foot back, uh, that second goal from Trinity Rodman would have counted. And then, you know, the United States would have won. We wouldn't be talking about that as our final topic of the night. My beast of the week is DeMar Hamlin. I can't believe this guy's back out on the field right now. I I'm a little scared by it. Truth be told, but the fact that he went from essentially clinically dead to, being back out doing what he loves is amazing. It's absolutely amazing. It's a credit to the incredible medical support that he got to his rehab and to where he is right now. And hopefully he's able to be a contributor for them and everything goes okay. But I think just the notion that he even was able to suit up again and get back on the field, he's, he's gotta be my beast of the week. Yeah, absolutely. Undoubtedly. And I think, um, the mitocarditis that he suffered, um, you know, knock on wood, they they didn't find any heart issues. They ran every possible test. It it truly was a freak accident. He got hit at the right exact moment at the right exact spot. Um, and here's hoping and cheers that we never have to, you know, see that happen again. And all the more reason to be CPR certified and to get heart screenings and um, be aware because these things do happen. But if you're prepared, you can avoid it. No doubt about it, Mia O'Brien. This has been Out of Bounds. We will be back with you next week right here on the Know Your News Network. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now 